Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2010. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm with my neighbors to the north in Calgary, Alberta, up in Canada, with a very special guest by the name of Gran, Gran, Graham Heaps. Graham, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Definitely, Mark. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. Yeah, we'll have some fun. Now, before we get started, I want to ask you a question I ask all my guests. What's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you? Probably that I have a collection of about 5,000 toy and model cars. What? 5,000? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, by toy collector standards, that's not actually that many, but uh, it's still quite a few. That is incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I used to have a lot more of those, and I just kind of ran out of space, and I went through a period a little while ago, a couple of years ago, where I sold a whole bunch of them. Uh, I had so many that were in boxes and weren't on display, and, yeah. uh, you know, you get kind of, unless you have these nice cases for every little one, you get tired of dusting all those cars and so forth. So uh, I sold a lot, and I gave a lot away to friends who had kids to kind of get them into, you know, the smaller die-cast cars. But I kept the the special ones, the bigger models that are very uh, detailed. CMC makes some really nice models, and I had a few from some other guests. But uh, do you have a particular mark that you like to focus on? Uh, not particularly a mark. Um, most of what I have are Matchbox. That was just uh, what I had as a kid growing up, so... I kind of carried on buying those. So I guess probably of the 5,000, probably 3,000 a Matchbox, something like that. Oh my gosh. Well, I still have all my old Matchbox. I think I have about 150 or something like that. And uh, they're in these boxes that I got when I was a kid that were carry cases by Mattel. Yeah. And uh, so I always thought of I would save them for my kids. Well, neither of my kids were really that much into cars, so they never got to play with them. But I've got a grandson now, so maybe maybe he'll be the one that will play with them next. But my wife always says, well, you won't let him play with them because yours are all perfect and you'll be afraid to smash them across the kitchen floor. So uh, maybe I'll loosen up a little bit. That's a pretty familiar story, I think. Yeah, yeah kind of so, kind of so. Well, I still have my very first one. My dad bought me a Jaguar XKE, the Red Coupe, which you probably yes, I have. I have one yet. Probably very nice. have one yep. of the. Yeah, that was the first one he bought me when I was probably four or five. Went to the uh, hardware store in his 49 MGTC, and I uh, still kind of remember that ride. And he bought me one of those. I think they were like. 40 cents back then or something like that. Yeah, they're a bit more than that now. Well, some of them, yeah. I've, I've, some of them <laughs> become very collectible. I've had some amazing collectors on the show. Well, let's talk about what you're up to because you are uh, you did a pivotal switch in your career, which is very cool, and you've got a new ebook out. So let me give you a proper introduction. Graham Heaps is an automotive writer based in Calgary, Canada. As I said, growing up in the UK, he was fascinated by cars and racing. And after working in the IT world, Graham has turned his passion into a career by taking a job writing about cars and car technology, later editing trade magazines about vehicles, engineering, and motorsports. Having moved to Calgary in 2015, he now writes freelance for magazines, websites, and companies in Europe and North America, and blogs about toy cars. Gee, I wonder why. I guess he's got a few references there <laughs> in his home. In December 2021, he published 20 Great Erase Cars, a title of his first new series of ebooks. For children. Sounds like something I can share with my grandson. That'll be fun. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our valued sponsors. So give them a little listen 
and we'll be right back. My friends at Covercraft offer you 10 different options. That's right, 10 for your vehicle's protection. You can choose from WeatherShield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, FormFit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five-layer all-climate cover, three-layer moderate climate cover, and a five-layer indoor option. You have all sorts of ways to protect your car. All of these are custom-tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople. It's the form and fit with the quality to attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Service protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. It's what I do. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your order, plus you get free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy, and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled are stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. They're the ones that insure my car. That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, Graham, we are back. So I want to dive a little deeper into the corner here and talk about, first of all, this pivotal switch you made in your career, because uh, that's a pretty brave, bold thing. But I've had a lot of guests on the show who've done that because they were in a world that they liked, but it wasn't their passion, which was automobiles. So talk about that transition you made, and then we'll dive into this book you've produced. Yeah, it's funny. Although writing was kind of my second career, it's become my first career because I've been doing it so long now. With hindsight, the I spent a few years in IT, but I've, I've been writing now for nearly 20 years. So I guess that makes it my kind of main career. But <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time. Um, and uh, you are just sort of taking a bit of a punt when you start these things with no experience. But I did get some some good advice from a, from a careers advisor, which I was going to mention later. But uh, uh, it was a guy called Paul Morton, and he just said, you know, you basically have to believe it, you know, just start writing and have the confidence to to go for it. I wasn't really used to cold calling people or, or you know, making unsolicited introductions or any of that kind of stuff. So uh, it was quite good having someone to kind of shove me along to, you know, put myself out there and, and go for it. I published a bit of stuff online, just myself, like back in the days of basic HTML websites, I yeah. <laughs> put something together and uh, just to put it out there and, and see if I could do it sort of thing. And nowadays, of course, that would be a blog and, you know, it's very easy to do. And uh, yeah, I've got some, some work experience and picked up some freelance work on the back of the work experience, a kind of internship type thing, I suppose, and met some people and eventually met someone who, 
who offered me a, a staff job with a publisher. And then I worked for them for about uh, 11 years before we came to Canada. So yeah, that, that's kind of how it worked. It, it, it did kind of work out pretty nicely. I know people that spend a very long time trying to break into to writing and, and get published and all those kind of things. Uh, I think you, you just have to really keep going for it, keep knocking on doors and uh, hope something works. Yep. You know, I've had hundreds of authors on this show. And one of the things I hear from all of them is you just have to sit down and write. It's one of the, it's like music or racing, I guess, seat time, uh, pen time, keyboard time these days. You just have to do it. You know, my son is writing his first book right now, and he's been working on it some time. That's not his primary career. He works in the tech world uh, for some little company called Google. I think that's their name, something like that. And uh, he um, he's a UX writer and an interface designer and so forth, but he loves writing and reading. And he was here over Christmas for three weeks, and every day he spent a lotted amount of time just sitting there and writing. So if you were going to advise anybody young or old that wants to do what you're doing is what Paul gave you as far as advice, the biggest piece of advice to just sit down and start doing it. Yeah, there, there is that. I think, yeah, I would definitely say just, just to start writing. That was what, what I did initially. And I've had a couple of things that I wrote sort of on spec read by someone, even just getting them read by a friend and they can give you some very ready feedback on uh, whether you can write or not as a basic kind of premise, you know. And obviously, you learn a lot as you as you go along and your writing becomes better. But fundamentally, uh, you'll find out pretty quickly whether you can do it or not. Blogs blogs are great for that now. You know, it's very easy to, to put a blog together, you know, the kind of ready-made tools that are out there. And uh, you can write about write about whatever you like. And if it's good enough, then then people will read it, promote it, have a social media account of some sort, promote it that way as well. And um, there, there are lots of examples now of people who've started out by just writing their own stuff out in cyberspace. And, and who knows where stick. it'll go. Yeah. Yeah. Just put it out there exactly. for people and then listen to feedback. That's the other key thing I've heard from many writers. Well, let's talk about this book, for 20 sure. Great Race Cars. You've put this book together. It's a an ebook, So it's a way to, to view it uh, other than a printed type book. What was your your decision process to do this type of a book before we dive into what the book's all about versus a traditional printed bound book? I think it's the uh, ease of publishing, you know, yeah, absolutely. Kindle makes it very Kindle makes it very easy to uh, be a one man band and publish it yourself. Um, you can control the process, you're not dependent on getting a publishing deal with somebody or putting money in up front or any of those kind of things. And it was a bit of an experiment, so that suited me pretty well to be in control of the process. The other thing is that, you know, I, I had this idea initially um, during 2020 when uh, there were a few months that were quite difficult as a freelance. You know, a lot of my uh, magazine outlets and things closed down either oh. temporarily or, yeah. or or permanently. And when that happens, you, you sort of look at things and say, well, okay, you know, what are other potential streams of work where I would not be dependent on someone to publish the stuff for me. So that was another part of the thinking. I have a 13-year-old son and he spends a lot of time reading on the Kindle. And I figured that, well, if he, if he does, then there's probably plenty of other kids out there who do as well. Right. Um, obviously, it's a very easy format. It's very portable. You can put it on a, a tablet or a, a phone. You don't even need the, the e-reader necessarily. And when I looked into what was available in the kind of cars and racing kind of area there didn't seem to be too much stuff there people always say write about what you know and <laughs> that's what i've done in this case um, and it turns out that there wasn't that much there in, in that area so i figured there was an opportunity and the only the only real investment is my time so we'll give it a go 
Well, I think it's great. And I see the transition that people have made, not only young, because young people are used to using these devices. For them, it's second nature. Uh, For instance, my kids, I used to subscribe to about 40 different car magazines. And I pared a lot of that down. Some have gone away. Some of them have come somewhat irrelevant because you already see the information online and then a month later you get the magazine you go I already read about all this so I got rid of those so now I'm just subscribing to some key ones that are more informative almost book-like but if you see my wife for instance she reads books like crazy my son the same way my daughter and they used to go to the library all the time get their books and now everything comes on these tablets because it's so easy and especially with um, I always say this libraries, you can get free books from libraries sent right to your, you know, you already pay the taxes for the library. It's absolutely phenomenal. But Kindle is a very inexpensive, getting it through Amazon Prime. Some cases you get free Kindle books in many cases, and it's a great way to share the information. And I guess what's the difference if you're sitting there maybe reading your book, 20 Great Race Cars with a little child uh, on a Kindle versus a book? Same thing. They can see the screen. That's what their lives are going to all be about already are so kind of the way to go so when you pick this topic uh mm-hmm. kind of walk through and you don't have to say all 20 great race cars but <laughs> but the, but the cars you chose definitely what i would consider great race cars is it kind of a it was your plan that it was an introduction for young people uh to look back in time and look at vehicles that were prominent yeah that was definitely part of the thinking there were, there were a lot of factors that went into choosing the, the 20 that are in the book. I should say that it's not supposed to be the 20 greatest of all time. It is just... Just 20 great, yeah. 20 greats, <laughs> yeah. Actually, the, the, the place I started with, with picking the list was photo availability. And the bedrock of it was my own photo collection built up over a couple of decades. And, you know, going back to the point about, you know, trying to be in control of the process all the way through, right. I figured if I could if I could use my own photos for the for the bulk of it, then that was a, a good starting point. You then have the uh, the toy car side. So each each chapter about a, a car in the book also has a, a section about how you can get a toy car version, a Hot Wheels or a Matchbox or whatever. And so I then looked at the toy availability side as well. So we had to have pictures. We had to have a, a an easily accessible toy. I'm not talking about a, a high end model that. A, a 10-year-old is never going to go and buy. I'm talking about a Hot Wheels that they're going to be available for a couple of dollars or something. Um, some of the names obviously have to be recognizable. There's no point going for a bunch of obscure cars that a purist might want, but it's not going to be interesting to a kid, right? They want a Mustang and a Corvette and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Obviously, I come from a, a European background, so I have a slightly European sensibility when it comes to racing, So, but I couldn't get too bogged down in kind of esoteric Formula One cars or something you know you have to have things with broad appeal and north american appeal as well sure yeah lots of different factors um so that's why you've got everything from a serial p34 to a ferrari 250 gto and a porsche 935 and pre-war auto union maserati 250f mustang corvette i mentioned mclaren m8 can-am all sorts you covered quite a wide variety, which is cool, and also from different continents so that even kids that maybe aren't familiar with them can become familiar with them and see these vehicles and get excited about them. And that's, in my mind, that's what it's all about is getting a kid excited about automotive, about racing, about cars, and, and teaching them a little something as well. So is the the script in your book very uh, easy for a young person to read? Is it geared towards a certain age group? Yeah, it- it was difficult to pin down a, an age group. I, I wanted to keep it um, you know, accessible to younger kids, but at the same time have enough depth there for 
someone who was slightly older if they wanted to you know read in a bit more detail so i'm saying that the age range is probably around 7 to 13 and i'm guessing you know for the younger kids they're probably going to be reading it primarily with a parent maybe some of the older kids will read it by themselves right and yes i've i've definitely geared the language to be as easy to read as possible. There's a, a glossary of what might be unfamiliar terms in the back as well. So famous circuit names or whatever that I mentioned that you know kids may not have heard of somewhere, you know, Nürburgring or somewhere. Everything is done in kind of bite-sized chunks. So there's no like pages and pages of text. You've got uh, each chapter has the, the picture of a car. It has an introduction to that car, maybe a couple of uh, tech spec kind of details, top speed for the stats kind of kids, you know. And um, an interesting story about the car, um, maybe some of its famous victories and championship victories or race victories, and then uh, a section about the toy uh, connection too. So, and the, each chapter format follows the same format. I love it. Is there a particular driving inspiration mentor person in your life? You mentioned Paul, I believe, earlier in our talk. Was that, would that be somebody that you would maybe share a little bit more about, or is there somebody else who's been highly influential or helpful? If you've moved your writing career along, yeah, it's difficult to pin down one person because I, I, you know, particularly when I was starting out, I had support from a lot, a lot of people who kind of either gave me advice or gave me a chance, published some of my stuff when when I was completely unknown. And well, I'm not saying I'm world famous now, but <laughs> you know what I mean. You've you, been around you, the block a few times. <laughs> when you've when you've when you've not been published at all, then then someone publishing anything means a lot to you, right? Right. So there were a few people there. Um, I did some work experience on on motorsport news, which is a weekly paper in the UK. That was really great and good for, for meeting people too. But then there was a there was a guy called uh, Brian Laban who was uh, an author, British author and writer, journalist, who uh, I had one of his books when I was a kid, a book called Winners, um, about Formula One drivers. And uh, I later met him uh, when I was a journalist and it was a really, really nice man. He was very encouraging when I was just sort of starting out. Um, later on, I I started editing a couple of magazines and then uh, Brian did some, some freelance stories for me when I was editor. So that kind of came full circle quite nicely there. That was a, a good thing. I enjoyed his company on, on car launches as well. And uh, yeah, he was a good guy. It's always good to have somebody who's been around that kind of takes you under their wing a little bit, gives you some moral support or maybe a whole lot of support. It, it doesn't really take much to encourage somebody, but it sure goes a long way when somebody's just starting out. It's the same with children. You know, just giving a little encouragement or kind of nudging them along a little bit. And people uh, like Brian, sadly, sometimes are few and far between. People are so busy in their own lives, they don't stop to help other people. So nice of him to do. Absolutely. We're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors again. We come back. I want to talk about maybe a big challenge you had uh, in your career. So keep that thought in mind. We'll be right back. Auto Geeks Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant. It's a spray-on, wipe-off sealant that's quick, safe, and easy to clean and protect your vehicles. I love using it on all my cars. Auto Geek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant is a spray-on, wipe-away sealant that uses SiO2 ingredients to provide a slick, brilliant, and long-lasting shine. Silicon dioxide is known to be one of the most effective ingredients in car care products, and Blackfire Spray Sealant takes advantage of every stunning feature it has to offer. This sealant will protect your paint from road film, dirt, and other common contaminants while providing an impeccable, long-lasting, hydrophobic surface that forces water to sheet and bead on your paint 
for months. Go to autogeek.net to get yours and for the best product selections on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Check them out today. We all count on skilled auto technicians to ensure that our families and ourselves are safe on the road. That an airplane will get me safely to my destination. That trucks are moving the stock to shelves of essential parts and things that we need. That's why Tech Force Foundation's slogan is so appropriate. When techs rock, America rolls. I love that. Tech Force is a charity of cars, yeah. And like all charities... They need our support. If you love cars and can relate to the young person's desire to turn their passion into a career, go to techforce.org today and donate or become a volunteer. That's techforce.org. So let's talk about this. Maybe a big obstacle you face along the way, a big challenge in your life, could even be a big failure. The key thing here is what did it teach you? What was that learning lesson? Being a parent's tricky, I'm sure all parents would. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> all parents would say that, and uh, you definitely make that up as you go along. I would say otherwise. Um, I moved to Germany when I was a, a student and spent a year teaching English in schools there. That was pretty interesting, challenging experience, I suppose. Uh, you go to a you know, new country, new language, new culture. My yeah. German wasn't that great at the time. It was a lot better later on, but um, so that was good. I didn't know anybody, and I just tried to throw myself into it, I suppose. And I didn't deliberately didn't hang out with other English-speaking people, spent as much time as I could with German speakers, said yes to every invitation that came my way, and uh, just got right into it and, and thoroughly enjoyed the experience. You know, Obviously, I learned a lot linguistically, but I'd also say that I, I maybe learned that you know, the opportunities are there. It's up to you what you what you make of them, right? You take advantage of that, and you have a fantastic, uh, you know, slightly life-changing experience. It was great. It's absolutely incredible to go to another country and spend a little bit of time. I have, Both my kids did that when they were in high school and did uh, classes away, you know, for like a month at a time. Um, mm-hmm. And it really was life-changing for them. And my son at one point even joined a uh, philanthropic group at school, actually helped form it. And they went down to Africa and uh, spent some time there. They gave bicycles to villagers who needed them to move around and kids to get to school. And yeah, they came, both the kids came back just with a whole different perspective going, whoa, there's, there's a big world out there. Yep. But the other thing they shared was while they were in different cultures and very different socioeconomic groups, uh, the people are basically the same in many ways too. You know, we it, despite the uh, governments that sometimes want to pit us against each other, everybody just wants a nice life, nice family, food on the table, shelter, uh, and to care for others. So uh, yeah, that is life-changing. I'm glad you did that. To put yourself out there was bold. Yeah, it was... I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it was a good thing, and I think when you're that age as well, and you you, know, you don't have the kind of responsibilities and the ties and whatever, you're slightly fearless as well, right? You you can just kind of go for it, and yeah. if it doesn't work out perfectly, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely, it's great. You know, I like to ask about bucket lists. Are there some more eBooks, children's eBooks, uh, in your planning? Yeah, I have a few ideas for follow up titles. I'm going to try and get through another couple this year if I can. I'd like to do something about drivers. I'd like to do something about uh, technology inside cars. I'd like to do something about rally cars. I, I really like rallying. So yeah, there's there's lots of opportunities to extend this series, and uh, I'm sure that will also contribute to the overall success of it. It gets all the critical mass together. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you always want to keep something new coming along. Definitely. In terms of other things, I I, I really enjoy my my freelance career writing. 
obviously Calgary is not really the hub of the automotive world, but it's uh, it's a nice place to live and there's lots of interesting cars around if you look. Uh, it's also very easy to travel places to the West Coast or you know, down into the States or whatever so to go to uh, to car shows and events and things. There's still plenty of places on my car bucket list, as it were. You know, I've, I've been to Daytona a couple of times, but I've never been to the 500. I've never been to Indy 500, Pebble Beach or Le Mans. Or oh, yeah. Some of these places are all all still out there to, to be seen. So lots yeah. to do. Yeah, there's lots to do. That's for sure. And as slowly, not as fast as we love, the world starts to reopen a bit. We can all get out there and enjoy this a little bit more. So uh, looking forward to some improvements here in the new year. Let's talk about a, ve- a special vehicle story for you. Is there a special vehicle in your life that you've had? And if so, what was it? And maybe share a story about that ride. Sure. So back in the UK, we had a 1972 Alfa Romeo Berliner. And I'd had a previous Alfa Romeo and I'd I'd always wanted a a classic. I'd had a modern one. And uh, we bought this one in 2008. Uh, We had very small kids at the time, one already and one on the way. And this was a four-door sedan. So you could put the child seats strapped in the back and take the kids with you when you went to shows and things. It was lots of fun. That car is rather boxy, I guess you would Yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, kind of like uh, if you think about the 2002 BMW or uh, some of the other cars that are kind of like little little sedans, I guess. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. It was mechanically quite an advanced car for its time, twin cam engine, disc brakes, but it was was fun. I mean, people always laugh about Alfa Romeo's and the reliability and all that kind of fun, and we had a few stories there too, but it was great. I got involved with the Alfa Owners Club in the UK, met some very nice people, and had lots of fun weekends away at shows and things. It was good. Gigerio Design by Bertone, right? It was a Bertone, yes, yeah, it was. which is pretty cool. And that car has an interesting line that comes down. It's got that beautiful alpha front end with the four headlights, if I remember, right? But it's got this curve about it that kind of goes from the top, the front end where it comes down and kind of across the back, just, just a little bit of a touch there. So it's got this little bit of an elegant feel you know to it and i think they made those in like 1700 cc or two liters so they're different motor yeah, options that's right there was a 1750 or a two liter yeah. and we actually had a kind of mongrel it was uh <laughs> it was originally a 2000 and uh had several engines go on it in previous owners and it did ended up with a 1750 in it which, which we had for the entirety of our ownership nice thing is i'm, I'm still in touch uh, with the guy who has the car now oh wow and and he's recently put a two liter back in the car to restore it to its original respect so that's fantastic very cool yeah very neat little car so i'm going to be your car psychologist today graham i'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit if you were manifest as a vehicle what would you be but more importantly why I thought long and hard about this question. Well, good. <laughs> I'm not a very showy person, um, so it needs to be something slightly understated, you know, kind of a sleeper or what we might call a cue car in the UK. But also, I, I feel like I'm quite a capable person if I turn my mind to something. Uh-huh. So it needs to be a car with a bit of hidden depth. I'm going to go for a second generation Ford Mondeo, which is a family sedan hatchback wagon it was a, a couple of versions sold in the states the mark one as the contour or later ones as a fusion oh. but on mark two there was a, a performance version the st220 yep and it's a combination of you know, it was created by british and german engineers which seems appropriate for me i suppose um <laughs> and uh, doesn't look particularly flashy but it's quite quick and handles really nicely you know that generation of european fords yeah. drove really really well the kind of culture that richard parry jones put in place and i'm definitely more about how a car 
steers and rides and handles than outright straight line performance. So nice. that kind of suits me quite well. Well, I appreciate you putting some thought into that. <laughs> Very well said. Very well described. Well, again, today we're talking about an ebook by Graham uh, titled 20 Great Race Cars. What are some ways people can get their hands on this book? Is, is Amazon the best process? Yeah, Amazon is the, the best way to go. It's on all the major Amazon markets, so .com, .ca, Credit UK, and then lots of other international markets as well. It's priced pretty low. I, I didn't want to put a high barrier to entry on it. It's a kid's book and I want kids to read it, right? So it's it's two ninety nine in the US. There you go. There's also a, a web page with, with some more information, which is coolcarbooksforkids.com. And there's links there as well. People can take to Amazon to get, to get it. Very cool. I'll make sure to put links to those on Graham's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. So Graham, this is the fun part. Well, not that we haven't had some fun already, but this <laughs> is the fantasy part, I should say, where uh, I get to allow you or I take you on the ultimate drive where you get to pick any vehicle in the world. Uh, you get to pick anybody to be with. Now, this could be somebody living or deceased, which opens it up to a wide variety of interesting characters to be riding with. And you can be driving anywhere in the world. So you talked earlier about going to a lot of different events and things. What does the ultimate drive look like for you? Oh, another tricky one here, Mark. Yeah. Um, I decided to go with John Surtees. Oh, nice. And uh, we would be in a Ferrari 250 GTO, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, which is probably the only chance I'm going to get to ride in that car. It, coincidentally, it's featured in, in the book as well. Uh, there's a nice picture in there by uh, Brian McCarthy, one of your former guests, yes. Bearded Mug Media. Yeah. And he contributed some really nice photos to the book. It's a race car, you know, obviously legendary and wildly expensive, but it's also, you know, a road legal two-seater, so we could go for a drive on that. John would be driving, obviously. Yeah. Where where would you like to be? Anywhere at all. Anywhere, it really, yeah. It, it doesn't really matter. wouldn't matter. In a GTO, yeah. <laughs> not, in the, not in the snow. <laughs> no, no. You know, there's some beautiful roads up in Canada. I've done some rallies and tours up there in Porsches. Um, that are just spectacular. The scenery is wonderful. As long as it's not in the winter time, uh, that makes it a little dicey, especially dicey in a Ferrari 250 uh, GTO. But uh, that would be quite spectacular. And then I just saw something online about some highways in Scotland that just look incredible. The beauty of the land up there and so forth. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of options there. Yeah, there's a lot of options there. And I, I do miss kind of British back roads, the kind of narrow winding stuff there's a lot of big wide open stuff here in calgary so maybe something like that would be nice uh yeah you think especially in a gto with john surtees very cool i like it well you've taken us on a fun ride today i wonder if you could leave us with uh some words of wisdom words of inspiration mantra or some kind of saying that means something for you sure i've forgotten to be honest where i first heard it it was a very long long time ago but um there's a quote from a guy called wilson misner he was a sometime playwright generally sketchy character wheeler and dealer <laughs> around the turn of the 19th 20th century and he said be nice to people on the way up because you'll meet them on the way down yes you know I, i've always tried to live my life like that but certainly professionally like that uh, you know don't burn your bridges you know uh, always people probably if they've messed you around or a stream of work has stopped or promised commission hasn't quite come through or whatever it is then you should always maintain those relationships going back to your your point earlier about advice for people starting out. One of the things I did was always to write down every contact I made and you know, keep a record of who was who and what they were doing and always hang on to those those numbers and those email addresses. And there are so many times when things have kind of come come around later, you know, people have moved jobs or budgets changed or people have worked through whatever issues they were going through in their personal lives or you know, whatever it is. And more often than not, an old contact will, will come up trumps later on. So yeah, definitely 
be good to people, treat people properly, I think. Yeah, it's the old golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, it's pretty simple. Uh, sadly, not a lot of people do that. But I tell you, these days, the way we can keep contacts, I have people all the time as I'm seeking people to be on this show. And I uh, just had one last week where... Uh, the gentleman reached out to me and I went back and I went, oh my gosh, I met him at Pebble Beach in like 2012 mm-hmm. and used that as a contact back point saying, yeah, I met, on the, met you on the lawn in 2012. And uh, now, honestly, I didn't remember that, but it was in my contacts and uh, turns out he had a special car there and I wrote that down in those contacts. So yeah, it's not that hard if you take the time when you come across people uh, to reconnect with people. You just have to take a little bit of a uh, uh, little bit of time and because uh, my memory doesn't seem to be what it used to be. So uh, that's what happens, I guess, as you get older. How are many ways that people can learn more about you, Graham? Uh, there's all sorts, I guess. Um, so my main kind of professional website is grahamheaps.com. That's heaps with a double E. And then there's a, a dedicated page there for the for the children's books, which is the coolcarbooksforkids.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Graham Heaps, LinkedIn, Graham Heaps. I also have a, an Instagram account for my toy car stuff, uh, which is diecast215. There you go. I'll put all these links on Graham's show notes page so that you can keep up with him and follow him and uh, get your hands on this cool book to share with a young one or just enjoy it yourself. That's a way to do that. I want to do a shout out to uh, Brian McCarthy, who you mentioned earlier. He's the one that introduced me to Graham. Brian, thank you. He's a past guest here uh, from the Bearded Mug. Uh, That was very kind of you to do, Brian. So thank you so much. Graham, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing this cool new book. I can't wait for the, the next one, especially since I'm a grandpa now so I can start to indoctrinate my grandson into the car world as my daughter's eyes roll back in her head. Uh, But she knew that was coming, so that's what's going to happen. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thanks a lot, Mark. You're welcome. This was fun. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!